0: Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the Book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird,
1: Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we just thank you for your truth, for its steadfastness. We thank you for the joy that we've had in studying Romans. And I just pray that we continue to apply this wonderful word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this Sunday, we are continuing to study Paul's benediction found in the 16th chapter of Romans. So if you would turn in your Bible there. And last week, as we worked our way through the benediction, we talked about the mystery. And I made this comment, a mystery isn't a mystery if you have revelation. And that's what the benediction tells us. In Romans 16, verse 25, it reads now, To him who is able to establish you according to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So there was a mystery, but that mystery has been revealed. And you see that in both verse 25, the revelation of the mystery That mystery is the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's been revealed to us. And you see it again in verse 26, that word manifest. So the mystery has been revealed to us. It's been manifested to us. Now, how has that happened? Of course, the first part is through the preaching of Jesus. It says that there in verse 25. Now to him, and the him is Jesus Christ. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ. Well, there's another reason that the mystery has been revealed to us that we have revelation. And that is through the prophetic scriptures. If you look at verse 26, it says, and now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known To all nations. So if you look at the benediction, the preaching of Jesus Christ and the prophetic scriptures go together. The preaching of Jesus Christ and the prophetic scriptures go together. Now I'm showing my age, but I remember a time when there was this thing going on with the church where people would say, well, we're a New Testament church, or I'm a New Testament Christian. And that phrase, New Testament church, New Testament Christian, seemed to diminish the importance of the Old Testament. And in fact, a lot of liberals like to say that they are New Testament Christians because they don't believe in the miracles of the Old Testament and they have a problem with the creation account. So it's easy for them to say, well, I'm, I'm a New Testament Christian. Now this is absolutely ridiculous since Jesus in his own teachings frequently quoted the Old Testament. In fact, when you look at Jesus's conversation with the Jews that were critical with him at the pull of Bethesda in John chapter 5, verse 38, you see the importance that Jesus puts on the Old Testament. John 5, verse 38, it says, these are the words of Christ, but you do not have his words abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures. Now, when he says search the scriptures, it's the Old Testament. He goes, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. There, Jesus Christ gave credence to the Old Testament. And he said the Old Testament referred to him. In addition, when you look at Luke chapter 24, and this is post-resurrection. This is what Jesus told his disciples in 44. He said, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning me. And look at verse 45. It says, And He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Then He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. When it says he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures, and in 46 he says, thus it was written. What Jesus is doing is is he's pointing out in all the Old Testament prophecy in how he fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecy. He's teaching them the prophetic scriptures. So in both of these references, you see that Jesus' own words emphasize the importance of prophecy. Why? Because prophecy points to the mystery. And that mystery being that Jesus Christ came to save men and women from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So when you look at our focal passage in that light, it gives it a lot of meaning. Now to him who is able to establish you according to My gospel in the preaching of Jesus, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest in by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations. So the prophetic scripture, the prophetic word has been opened up to you and me. To everyone who believes. Now for the Jews who did not believe, they were blinded. They couldn't see it. They could not see Jesus Christ in the prophetic scriptures. But when you think about us as Gentiles, how that has been opened up for us. It is a privilege and a joy for you and I to open up the Old Testament and see that Jesus Christ is from the beginning to the end. You and I as Gentiles, when we read Genesis, a book recorded by a Jew named Moses, we see Christ in Genesis chapter 3 as God curses the serpent. Genesis 3.14 says, So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Who is this that he's talking about? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I, as we read the account of Genesis, we can recognize that this is Jesus Christ. This is the promise of victory over sin. That Jesus Christ would rule over Satan and we'd have forgiveness and acceptance before a holy and righteous judge. As a Gentile, You and I see the beautiful allegory of Christ in the story of Abraham as he was willing to sacrifice his only son. And in Genesis chapter 22, verse 15, it reads, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and if not withheld your son, your only son, Blessing will I bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice." You have the beautiful allegory there of Abraham willing to sacrifice his only son and give us a glimpse of the picture of God who was willing to give us his only son so that you and I might have life. He is the seed that is referred to here in the text. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I are the nations in which we find blessing. As a Gentile, you and I see the cross foretold on the doorpost of the Passover as the Hebrews are about to begin their exodus. We see the allegory of the Hebrews as they were redeemed from slavery, a physical slavery. You and I are redeemed through the Lord Jesus Christ as we are redeemed from the slavery of sin. As the Hebrews pass through the Red Sea, we see us passing from death to life through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Hebrews were fed manna, we see the allegory that we feed on the bread of life, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. As a Gentile, we see our redemption in Isaiah 53. And just a glimpse of that chapter in verse four, it reads, surely he has borne our griefs and has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who bore our grief? Who carries our sorrows? who paid for our iniquities, you and I, through his grace and through his revelation, recognize that it is the Lord Jesus Christ. As Gentiles, we know that the tabernacle and all of its furnishings point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're reminded of that in Hebrews chapter 9. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, it says, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Everything in the tabernacle points to the Lord Jesus Christ. The lampstand points to the fact that Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. The bread, I am the bread of life. Every single thing points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And through his grace and his revelation, you and I have the understanding to recognize the beauty of all of the Old Testament. I could go on and on to illustrate how the Old Testament and the prophetic scriptures point to Christ. Josh McDowell, author of Evidence That Demands a Verdict, points out that there are over 300 references written over a thousand-year period in the Old Testament. And Christ fulfills every single one of them. So as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you think about this, the gospel was preached to us. The gospel was preached to us and the prophetic scriptures were revealed to us so that we can look at the Old Testament and we can see the beauty. It reminds me, and I've mentioned this before, of the famous sermon from W.A. Criswell, the scarlet thread of redemption. The scarlet thread of redemption is all throughout the Bible, every single book of the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Why is this important? Why is prophecy so important? Prophecy proves the deity of Jesus Christ. Prophecy proves the deity of Jesus Christ the fulfillment of prophecy illustrates a complete control of time, seasons, governments, and people. And it spans centuries. Now that's impossible for men to do. It's absolutely impossible for an ordinary man to predict the future. Here in a couple of months, we'll begin a new year. And at the beginning of every new year, the press rolls out all of these goofy people making goofy predictions about what's going to happen in the new year. And of course, they're never right. Jesus Christ is right every time. You and I can look at His prophetic word and how He fulfilled every single thing And we can come to the conclusion that only God can do that. Only God can do that. This summer, as I was standing at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, I saw these piles of stone at the Wailing Wall from the temple, from the destruction of the temple. They're still there, they're huge, huge. They've never been moved. They've not been moved since Rome destroyed the city. And it reminded me of the words of Christ in Luke 21, verse 6. He says, these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. He foretold it. He foretold it. Now, you can look at that, you can just read it through and glance through that. But let's think about that for a moment. And in fact, there's an analogy on that. I, I knew somebody that their job was in logistics. They worked for a trucking company and their whole job was to get goods moved from point A to point B. Now that sounds like an easy task but the longer you travel, the more difficult that is because you have to coordinate a lot of things to make that happen. Now, I want you to think about prophecy in the light of logistics. Think about this. For those stones to lay there on the ground as a testimony of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You had to be in control of governments. Rome had to show up. You had to be in control of an uprising. You had to be in control of people. You had to be in control of time. It proves that He is the Lord. In reference to the chapter on the suffering servant that we already referenced, Isaiah 53. If somebody's going to cash lots for your clothes, that means that you have to have somebody to show up. You have to be in control of the way that one's going to die. You start looking through everything that's required to make Isaiah 53 happen that's only from God. And Isaiah wrote about it centuries before Jesus Christ would give us his life on the cross. Prophecy proves that he is God, that he is in control, and the prophetic scripture has been revealed to us. Now, why is this important? This isn't just a neat trick. If what he said in the past came true, you and I can be confident. What he says about the future will come true as well. John 14, starting in verse 1, Christ says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. and where I go, you know, in the way, you know. There you have that promise. I will come again and receive you to myself. Prophecy has meaning. He's coming again. And I think you and I will agree as we look out on the horizon of what's going on in our world today, we know that it is closer. We know that it is closer. I remember reading a book on the founder of Service Masters. If you don't know anything about Service Masters, the company was founded by a dedicated Christian. And he had this one phrase in the book that stuck with me. And it's a simple phrase. But he said, if you're not living it, you don't believe it. Now put that in the light of prophecy. Jesus Christ said that he is coming again for us and he will receive us. Now if I could tell you that Jesus Christ was going to come again and he was going to be here four Sundays from now. Would you miss a Sunday? I doubt it. Would you read your Bible more often? I believe so. Would you pray with greater sincerity? I believe so. His promise is real and it is true. He is coming again. And if I have been saved and you have been saved by the preaching of the gospel and the prophetic scriptures, if those have been made known to us, then you and I looking at the future and all the promises of Jesus Christ should reorder our life on this truth that He is coming again. That He is coming again. Over the last decade or so, we saw famous theologians succumb to this theological belief of preterism. And if you don't know what that term means, it means that that Jesus Christ came back at the destruction of the temple and that this world's just getting to be better and better and there won't be basically the traditional rapture that you and I believe in. Now, first of all, I don't know what world they're living in because I think that you and I would all agree that the world is not getting better. In fact, we're told biblically that the world will get worse. And I quite frankly think that some people got tired in their faith. The people that clung to preterism, I think they got tired in their faith. They had grown weary. And this preterist viewpoint was just a way for them to kind of come to some intellectual acknowledgement that yes, Jesus can still be victorious, but he's not gonna come back in the way that we've traditionally thought. I would venture to say, if you've got a problem with the second coming, you're probably got a problem with the first. And if you and I really believe, if we really believe that he is Lord, if we really believe that he reigns over all, then if we believe that Jesus Christ came and lived his life as God-man at the first coming, he's going to come and reign and we should prepare and reorder our life appropriately. At the end of the day, the things that we put an emphasis on, If you think about it in the light of Jesus Christ returning and you ask yourself, the things that I think are important to me in my life right now, if Jesus Christ would come tomorrow, how important are they? How important are they? And if your answer is, is that they aren't that important to you, I would suggest that you need to reorder your life according to the teachings and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ because, my friends, He is coming again. He is coming again. In Revelation 1, verse 7, it says, Behold, He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all of the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him. Even so, amen. And then Christ in verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was... And who is to come? The Almighty. He's the beginning of the end. He's the beginning and the end. And it's so very important that we evaluate our life because the prophetic scriptures have been revealed to us where we know the mystery. We know that all time, all things, all humanity revolve around the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. It's all about Christ. And guess what? When we get to heaven, we're going to surround his throne and we're going to give him the praise and the glory that is due to him because he is king of kings and Lord of lords. What a blessing that you and I can pick up the Old Testament and we can look at it Not as somebody who has a veil over their eyes, who doesn't understand. But as somebody who has been given the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can look at that and say, it is Jesus and he's coming again. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we just thank you that the veil's been lifted. That we have understanding, that we have revelation. That through the indwelling of the Spirit, we're able to understand. And I pray, Lord, that we would reorder our life and constantly evaluate our life in the light of Christ, in the light of His certainty of His return, in the light that He is Lord of Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that if someone's listening that doesn't know you, that did turn their life over to you, that they'd ask for forgiveness of sins, And that they would repent of their sins and turn to you and embrace you and recognize Christ as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com Slash Mill Creek Church. Prayer requests may also be left at MillCreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, MillCreekchurch.org.